Hi, my name's DJ. Um, my story starts when I got out of the military. Being in the military, life is, is structured, it's disciplined. You know exactly where you have to be and when you have to be there. Um, and then when I got out of the military, I lost that structure. I had no direction in my life. Uh, it wasn't until I had a friend invite me out to Grace Church and I actually remember the, the moment, the day that I gave my life to Christ. The sermon was actually called God in Pursuit. And it was about how when you feel distance from God, just know that God never moved. And I remember Tony making the claim. He said, if you feel God calling you and he's moving in your life and you feel lost, he goes, make today the day that you stand for Jesus. Take your stick and stick it in the ground and make today the day. And you know, the waterworks <laughs> start going. And I made, I, uh, after the service, I went up to, to Tony and I told him, you know, what had happened. And he said, that's, you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, but that's the first part. Second part is get connected. Um, live off that, build off that, um, you know. And he introduced me uh, into the life group, told me to get on the connection pathway. Um, but it was really the life group that changed my life. Um, I joined the Millizer Life Group and the ability, uh, the ability for those people to love and to see Jesus just work through people and, and to accept you and to embrace you. It's something I had never seen before. And that carried on into uh, the life group I'm in now, the Heidi Life Group. And again, just the, the unabounding love that I received, the, the acceptance, um, the, the ability to surround yourself with godly people. Um, it's just something I've never experienced. And I, how do you say thankful? How do you say thank you for that? Um, it changed my life. Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be back with you. It's actually really, really nice to be home as uh, we've been doing this series called uh, My Life Changed When. And if you're just jumping in with us in this series, basically what we've been doing is we've been talking about um, these My Life Changed When moments and circumstances in life. And so we've been talking about how each one of us, when you look back at your life, um, that we all have a series of times, of moments, of circumstances um, that God uses as a catalyst to introduce life change in a pretty significant way. And so what we've been saying in this series is that those moments can be anything um, from the monumental and to the joyous occasions of life, um, all the way to the hurtful, um, the painful circumstances that we face in life and, uh, and everything in between. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been encouraging everyone to share um, their My Life Changed When stories, when God um, introduced life change in your life and when he helped you grow kind of in a unique way. And so each week what we've been doing then is we've been really kind of highlighting each kind of different circumstance and talking through uh, different common circumstances that God uses um, to introduce life change. And so this morning, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk about the topic, my life changed when I engaged the church. My life changed when I engaged the church, kind of like what DJ was just talking about there um, up on the screen. So uh, to begin this, I'll tell you a quick story. So last summer, I had this, uh, this really, really unique and cool opportunity um, to go on a wilderness uh, adventure, one week in the wilderness with 12 other guys uh, up in Algonquin, Canada, all right? And this, um, if you're kind of a person that likes these trips, you know they're a blast because you're separated from uh, society, you get to live in the woods for a week, and, uh, and so you're away from technology, out of cell phone range, kind of distance from those things. And, and one of the things, if you're... If you're a person that likes this kind of stuff, and I know some of you don't, but if you're a person that likes that kind, kind of thing, one of the things that makes these, these trips so fun is really the challenge, right? There's just challenges all over the place. And this trip in particular, uh, taking this trip to Algonquin, Canada, had a lot of unique challenges. And so, for example, one of the big challenges on this trip uh, was getting to your campsite. And so in Algonquin, it's a series of lakes and a series of hills. And so to get to the place where you're going to camp, it requires not only canoeing, but also backpacking. And so when you're not canoeing, you have to not only backpack, but also carry your canoe. They call it portaging, right? And so you portage through the woods. It takes you several hours, a full day to get there. And so that was a challenge, right? Transportation to the campsite was a challenge. And of course, once we got to the campsite, uh, we were presented with a series of unique challenges there too. Uh, so for example, food. 
right? Because we were away from society, anything that you planned to eat that week with you, you had to take in. And so you had to take your food in with you, and anything that you couldn't throw away or you couldn't burn in the trash, you had to take out with you. And so because of the wildlife, right, there was bears up there and moose and all manner of creature. And uh, in order to, to, to try to protect yourself from those, you had to keep your food in an airtight container. And then at nighttime, you would throw your, your bear-proof container over a tree several yards away from your campsite, so that way bears wouldn't attack you. That's a pretty good thing. And so that was a challenge. Um, of course, the bathroom situation is very challenging up there. Uh, needless to say, it requires a lot of creativity. And so we had to figure that whole thing out. But the biggest challenge we faced when we went on this wilderness experience this particular time uh, was really our water situation. Um, so in Algonquin, you're surrounded by lakes everywhere. Um, but as many of you know, the water is undrinkable because there are microorganisms and bacteria that are filled in the water. And so the solution to that is that you have to purify your water. You have to pump it or filter it in some way. And so this group of 12 guys that went up there, we took with us a handful, uh, kind of like a probably like three or four uh, hand pumps that were kind of water filters. And how they worked, I'm sure if you guys have done this before, you put one end in the dirty water, you pump it, and then it filters out clean water, and then you're able to drink it. Well, the challenge was this, is that in Canada, because there's so many pine trees, the water is full of sap. And so if you look at the water, it, it's kind of this yellowish, amberish hue. And so the first couple of days we started pumping water, we realized that we had a problem because our water filters were getting gunked up with the sap. Several of them broke. The handles began to break. And it got to the point where in order to, to pump the water accurately, you know, to, get, to get anything out of it, you would literally be pumping for hours to simply get just enough water for people to be able to drink and to, for one meal. And so we were spending our time and our energy pumping water, blisters on our hands, pumps were breaking left and right. And so midweek, we realized, man, we got a problem here. And if we don't address this, this water pump problem here, then we're going to be out of clean water. And so we kind of had this midweek creative brainstorming session. So we sat down together, a whole group of us, and we said, so what are we going to do about this, right? And we said, we need to come up with some solution to create a, a gravity-fed water filtration system, right? That was kind of the plan that we had. And if you guys don't know what a, what a, what a gravity-fed water filtration system is, basically it's one in which the human doesn't do the pumping, but gravity does the work for you. And so we said, we need to do this. And so we had a bunch of different people there. One of the guys that was on the, the team was an engineer, and so he brought that to the table. He had that gift and that ability. He kind of brought that to the table. A couple of the other guys that were there were technically minded guys. And so they, they knew how to, how to build things well. And, and so they brought that gift to the table. A couple of the other guys were creative guys, right? They kind of were kind of in the business of thinking outside of the box. And so they brought that gift to the table. And of course me, right? I was thirsty and wanted water. And so I brought that to the table. And so we kind of all gathered around this problem. And I'm telling you, what ensued was one of the most incredible brainstorming projects that I was ever part of, on par with the MacGyver episode. It was unreal. And, and we were able to take the pieces of the broken pumps that remained and with creative ingenuity use some of the most unsuspecting things to build a water filtration, gravitational uh, filter. And so one of the guys was like, you know, the engineer who was sort of the mastermind behind it all. He's like, we need a pressurized chamber that can pressurize the water. I don't even know what he was saying. But he's like, basically, we need this. And one of the guys is like, I have an empty honey container. And we could take that and we can use that. And he's like, well, we need to seal it. And the guy's like, well, we need O-rings. And one guy's like, well, I have an applesauce container. We can cut off the lid of the applesauce container and create an O-ring. One guy dismantled a pen. I'm not even joking. MacGyver style. And used the pieces inside of the pen to create some kind of filter. I don't even know how he did it, but it was incredible. And by the end of that day, we had a fully functional gravitational water filtration system. This is a picture of it here. And as you can see, the water up at the top there, you can see the amber issue. I promise you that's water. And, uh, and so that was kind of, and it would drip through our, and this is a close-up. I know it's a little anticlimactic because so many of the pieces are small, but you can see there's a honey container, there's an applesauce lid, there's duct tape because you can't do anything without duct tape. And we kind of created this whole thing. And that night, that night, which before we had worked so hard to just get enough water, but that night we all drank abundantly. And that night we drank like kings under the canopy of the Canadian stars, and we laughed at the lake in victory over it while gravity sat in the corner and did our work for us, right? And the rest of the week, we drank to our heart's content. We had water flowing freely. We all drank abundantly, right? Now, now here's the crazy thing about that story. When I think about that, I think about the fact that at the beginning of the week, right, the beginning of the week, we were working t 
tirelessly, laboriously, to barely get a sip of water that we needed, that we thirsted for. But midweek, right, we, we were drinking abundantly. And what strikes me about that is that the reality was we actually already had everything that we needed. We already had all of the resources that we needed to create a system in which we could all drink to our heart's content, but we didn't access the resources that were at our disposal until midweek. In other words, I'll put it this way. We already had what we needed, but we just didn't know it. And it wasn't until midweek that we realized that we had what we needed. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, quite simply for this reason, because spiritually speaking, I believe every person in this room today, myself included, that all of us are thirsting for something. We're all, we're all thirsting for something in life. In fact, many things. Uh, for some of you right now in your life, you are thirsting for, um, you're thirsting for meaning. Um, you're thirsting for significance. You're thirsting for value. For some of you right now in your life, you're thirsting for relationships, um, for intimacy. Some of you are thirsting for grace. You're thirsting for forgiveness. You're, you're thirsting to be known and to know others. And, and, and my guess is that when you think about those things that you crave and that you, you're thirsting for in life, many of us are working tirelessly, blistering our hands to simply get a drop of the thing that we're thirsting for. But here's the wild thing, and this is what I want to try to convince you in the time that we have here today. I believe, and I don't know if you believe me if I told you this, that you probably already have what you need to drink abundantly of the life that God desires for you, you actually have what you need, but you might not know it. And the reason you might not know it is because the, the, the resource that God has provided to satisfy many of the thirst that he's put in your heart is actually a very unsuspecting resource. It's something that a lot of us wouldn't even think of. So what am I talking about? What is the unsuspecting resource that we already have that God has provided to help quench the thirst that many of us are experiencing in our life? What am I talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the church talking about the church and some of you are like the church seriously and I'm like yeah the church seriously some of you are like well that sounds weird that sounds like some of you are like that sounds religious right some of you are like well that sounds convenient because you're a pastor and you're telling me I need to be part of church that works out well for you right and, and look I, I understand that I understand what you're saying but I'm just telling you the bible is so clear on this it is so clear that one of the primary means by which God wants to give you and accomplish things in your life is the connection of the church. God desires that for you deeply, that there is something that you have at your fingertips. God has already given you what you need, but you might not be taking advantage of it because, like I said, it comes in a very unsuspecting form. So you don't believe me? Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. If you have your Bibles, why don't you take them with me? We're going to go to Ephesians 4 this morning briefly. And... Um, Ephesians chapter 4. You're going to find that, by the way, on page 815 in those Bibles that we have laid out there for you. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, page 815. And as you're flipping there, let me just say a couple things about this passage. So um, if we were to talk about the importance of the church, if we were to talk about the, the way that God has designed church and how it helps quench the thirst that God has put in our hearts and in our lives, we could go to so many passages. I'm not even joking. There are so many passages on the importance of the church. Um, but for our time's sake, I wish I'd go to all of them. But for our time's sake, we're just going to look at Ephesians 4. Now, this passage is one um, that if you've been around grace for a while, you've heard this. We talk about this often because it's one of the most incredible pictures um, and one of the most condensed pictures of God's intention through the church. We find it here in Ephesians chapter 4. So let's just check this out. For our purposes, we're going to start in verse 11. All right, so let's look at verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what it says. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ might be built up. All right, now let me just pause there for a second. And I want you to notice um, really distinctly the first four words of this verse. It says, so Christ himself gave. Now that's really important in this passage. Um, and one of the most important words there is the word gave. Christ himself gave. Now literally, the word gave, what it means in the, in the original Greek language is it means furnished, it means supplied, it means bestowed, right? It means God has furnished you, he has furnished me, he has supplied to you, he has supplied to me, he has bestowed to you, he has gifted to you, he has gifted to me everything that we need. Like I said earlier, you already have what you need. And how did Christ give you what you need? Well, he gave it to you, he supplied it to you, he gifted it to you. What did he gift to me? Well, look what it says here. It says that he gifted, gave us, 
here it says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Now, what's that talking about? What's that talking about? God gave pastors and teachers, and what, what are all those things talking about? Well, briefly, what that is, is that's leadership. Because God has given leadership to his church. Why? To build up the body of Christ so that each person who's part of the church, who has a unique gift, can kind of work together and build up the body of Christ. Now, what's that talking about? Well, some of you know that Paul's favorite um, metaphor to talk about the church is a body that it's composed of different people who have different abilities, who have different skills, who have different talents. And when we come together with the diversity of our giftedness, but the unity of our mission and the unity of our heart, that we form kind of like a body, right? And we, we operate, there's a symbiotic relationship and we work together. What's this talking about? What it's talking about is the church. It's talking about the church. Christ himself has supplied to us. Christ himself has bestowed to us. He has provided for us what we need. And it says one of the things that he's given us is the church, right? Gifts and abilities, one another, spiritual leadership that he has appointed over top of this body that is talking about the church. Christ has given it. And when you look in this passage, it goes on to tell us that when you engage in the body of Christ, when you engage in the church, that the benefits are insurmountable. So let me just real quickly look at these next few verses where it talks about the benefits of being connected to a church. Look at this. It says once again, so that, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I don't know if you guys noticed in that passage, but you notice there are a litany of, of things the Bible says when you're connected to the body of Christ that you gain. And so let me just list a few of them for you here. You, you, I'm just, just simply stating what's already in the verse. Notice it says that one of the things that we benefit from is that we will be built up. That we'll be built up. In verse 12 it says so that the body of Christ might be built up. And built up there, by the way, some of you have translations, it says edified. That you and I, the way that God wants, us to, wants to build us up, wants to strengthen us, is within the context of community. So in the context of church, of the body of Christ. One of the things that God wants for you is for you to be built up. And one of the means by which he's supplied for that is to the church. Look at this next thing. Verse 13 says that we might reach unity in the faith. That we might reach unity in the faith. That there's unity that comes by being engaged in um, the one another's and connecting with the church that God desires. We see that right there in verse 13. Another thing that we see is that uh, one of the benefits of being connected to the church is that we gain knowledge of God. Verse 13 tells us that, that, that God wants to build us up, not only in the unity of faith, but also in the knowledge of the Son of God. I find it so fascinating, by the way, that in that verse, the word knowledge that, used, that, that is used literally means the precise and correct knowledge about God, which means to say the only way that you're truly going to understand God, truly, and have the precise knowledge of who he is, is in the context of Christian community, right? The Bible tells us that God himself is community. He's Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And aside from community, we cannot experience the accurate picture of God. So the Bible says that God wants to provide for you the knowledge of him, the accurate and true knowledge of him. And how does he provide that? He provides it through a connection and engagement with the church. We also see this. It says that we will grow into maturity in Christ-likeness. In verse 13, it says, through the church will become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What's that saying? It's saying, if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to act like and think like and have the character of Christ, and you want to grow in spiritual maturity, that is impossible aside from community. The context in which God wants to develop you and strengthen you is within the context of the body of Christ. It's the way he's designed it. He has already given you what you need. And what he's given you, the way that he tends to supply that, is through Christian community. You also notice in verse 14, one of the things he gives us is discernment. Through the church, we get discernment. It says this in verse 14, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. 
What's that saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying when you're not connected to a Christian community, when you're not connected to the body of Christ, you are more susceptible to falling prey to deceitful teachings that are not grounded in the Bible. And one of the things that God wants for you is he wants you to be a discerning person. He wants you to be a mature person who follows Jesus, who has the character of Christ. And those things happen through engagement with the church. It's what God has provided for you. You already have what you need, right? Um, Another thing we get is relationship and support. Verse 16, if you glance down at that, it says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And the Bible tells us that we are a body. There is a symbiotic there is a, a, a reliance on one another. We depend on each other. And so one, one part is hurting. In, like, think about your physical body. When one part is hurting, the other parts compensate for that part that's hurting. And so we find relationship. We find connectivity. We find those things in the body of Christ. We find support. There's strength in diversity and there's strength in numbers. We find those things the Bible tells us. We find love and care. In verse 16, it says that we grow and build ourselves up in love as each part does its work. We find nourishment, we find love, we find the care that many of us are designed for, desiring for. And the last thing I want you to notice is, is that we also find meaning and purpose. We find meaning, we find purpose, and we find mission when we engage in the church. Look what it says in verse 16, if you glance down. It says we grow and build ourselves up in love as each part does its work. Each one of us has a ministry. God has created each one of us uniquely with gifts and abilities and talents And the Bible says that when you bring those things to bear in the church and you engage in the church, that God is going to use that to give you meaning, to give you significance, and to give you mission. And those are things that all of us crave for, and we're trying to find them in many places in life. You see, what the Bible is telling us is this, is it's saying that many of the things that you thirst for in your life, and you might not even know this, that many of the things that you thirst for and that you desire, God has already provided a way for you to drink abundantly of those things you thirst for. And one of the primary means by which he has provided for that, and it's very unsuspecting, very unsuspecting, is through the church. He's provided these things for us in the church. Let me, let me put it another way. What, what if I was to tell you that many of the things that you are praying for right now and many of the things that you are craving right now, that God has already answered those prayers and God has already supplied those things to you and they're at your fingertips through the church? What if I told you that? So for example, right now, some of you right now are praying. One of the things you're praying for is you're praying to overcome a habitual sin in your life. There's an addiction issue. There's a habitual issue. And you keep going back and doing the same thing over and over again. And it's been happening for years. And and you're, you're crying out to God, God, help me to overcome this sin. God, help me to overcome this issue. God, help me to do that, right? But for many of you in that, you're fighting it by yourself, You're all by yourself in that struggle. What if I told you that the thing that you're praying for, the thing that you're desiring to, the sin that you're desiring to have victory over, God's actually provided for you already what you need. You already have what you need. What do I mean by that? I mean the church. You know what James chapter five says? James chapter five says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you might be healed. That's what it says. Do you know that? The Bible says that one of the ways that we overcome habitual sin in our lives is by getting our sin out of the darkness and pulling into light. If you guys were here a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dan preached an awesome sermon about getting our sin out of hiding, right? And and look, you're never gonna find victory over that thing if you're fighting it alone. And one of the ways that God's provided victory for you, he's given you what you've needed is through community, is through transparency, is vulnerability, praying for one, confessing our sins to each other might be healed. For some of you right now, the thing that you're praying for is you're praying that God would give you strength. You're like, man, God, I am facing some hard times. Financially, in my work, in my marriage, we're going through a hard time. And I don't have the strength to do this, God. I don't have the wisdom to navigate this by myself. I pray that you would give it to me. What if I told you that probably God has already given you what you need? It's very possible. And many of us choose to fight those battles by ourselves. We choose to fight those in isolation. When the Bible tells us in Scripture that the church, we're to bear one another's burdens. We're to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Right? And, and, and the truth of the matter is that maybe the strength that God wants to give you isn't just something he's going to muster up from within yourself. Maybe it's something that's going to come from outside, from another person. Maybe the wisdom that God wants to give you as you navigate the decisions in your life, it's not like God is just going to give it to you when you're driving down the road, it's just going to dawn on you like, whoa. Maybe it's not like that. 
Maybe the wisdom God wants to give you is actually going to come through another person in your life who knows about the thing that you're going through, who you can confide in and who can provide that wisdom for you. God has already given us much of what we need. And a lot of it comes in the form of a church. Some of you right now, the thing that you're seeking and you desire in life is purpose, is meaning, is mission. You're like, I, I, I need to know that, that the way that I'm made actually counts for something. The Bible tells us that the church is the hope of the world. The Bible talks about that. The church is the hope of the world. It is God's plan to reach this world with love, to reach this world with salvation. And when we use our gifts and abilities and when we take the talents that God has given us and we bring those into the church, we find meaning, we find significance, we find adventure. I can just tell you, you find adventure when you start serving God in these ways. And these are all things that we thirst for. And God's provided those things many times for us in the church. See, I believe this, you guys. I believe that for many of us, the life change that God desires for you, the abundant life that God wants for you is at your fingertips. It's right there. God's given, just like us in Canada, we had what we needed. We just didn't implement it. For many of you, you have what you need. You just haven't implemented the thing that God has given you through the church. Now, why, why is it then that we don't do that? If the Bible tells us in so many passages, Ephesians 4 is just one of them, there's so many. If the Bible tells us that the church is the primary means by which God wants to provide for us so many of the things that we crave and desire, why is it then that so many of us stiff arm or bypass? And why is it that so many people in our culture scoff at or, or look at the church with suspicion? Why, why is that? Why is that? Well, um, I really think there's probably a lot of reasons. And my guess is you can probably tell me a lot of reasons, your, maybe your own reasons why. Um, but I just want to tell you for our time, I want to give us three major reasons why I think we bypass or why we, we, we pass on um, the, the, the gift that God is giving us in the church, why we don't engage um, in the church. And these are three things, I'll just tell you from my own experience. Um, as a pastor, I have heard so many um, reasons. I have heard so many, um, so many people telling me why uh, they don't engage the church. So I just want to give you three of the biggest ones that I've found. Here, here's the first one, quite simply as this, is because of individualism. I think uh, because of the radical individualism of our culture, a lot of people will bypass or pass on the gift that God wants to give us through church. I, I probably don't need to convince you this. We live in a radically individualistic culture. That's just a fact. That's not even an opinion. It's just a fact. And so uh, we are constantly being catered to as an individual. What you think is fine, what you want is the right thing. Whatever you want, don't worry about it. It's good for you, it's good for you. If it's, if, it's, if it's not good for me, it's not good for me. It's all about the glorification of the individual. Now, the truth is, there's probably some benefits to that, right? But the reality is, when we take that mentality, that individualistic mentality, and we bring it to the church, it can actually be very harmful. And so as a result of that, there are many Christians today, and I've heard this so many times, Christians today who will say, I don't need other people to follow Jesus. I hear this constantly. When I was working in college ministry before we started this campus, I heard this so often. I don't need other people to follow Jesus. I just need my Bible and Jesus and the woods, right? I'm just going to go out and I'm going to listen to God. And I don't need organized religion. I don't need a pastor to tell me my thing. I don't need a life group and the awkwardness that comes with all of that. I just need to be outside with God and that's all I need. And that, that really begs a really important question. And let me ask you, how would you answer this question? Not, not out loud, just, just how would you answer this question if someone said, is it possible to follow Jesus and not be engaged in Christian community? Is it possible? Is it po how would you answer that question? Is it possible to follow Jesus and not be engaged in Christian community? It's an interesting question. Let me tell you how I'd answer it. Not that I'm like the end-all, be-all, but I've answered this several times. Here's how I answer it. And someone says, is it possible for me to follow Jesus and not be engaged in church, not be engaged in Christian community? Here's my response. Um, I guess, I think so, but it doesn't really make sense. And here's why. That's like asking, can I be a football player and not be on a team? I'm like, uh, let me do some math on that. I don't, I think so, I guess, right? But, but the, the better question is like, Why? Because, because you can't execute the plays in the playbook without a team, right? And I'm just telling you, if you're a Christ follower, you can't execute the plays in the playbook without a team. There are over 55 direct commandments that God has given us that are about one another. 
So the Bible says, confess your sins to one another. And bear one another's burden. Love one another. Encourage one another daily, right? And the Bible's talking about, look, I don't know about you. I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But if there's just one and there's not another, it's really hard to practice the one another's, right? And, and it's, just, it's just a sheer fact. So, so I think if you were to go to Jesus or you were to go to Paul in the, in the New Testament and you were to look at them and you were to say, hey, can a person follow Jesus and not be part of community? I think they'd look at you like, huh? I don't even know what you're talking about. That, that's not even the context of what it means to follow Christ. So much of what Jesus desires for you, the growth he desires for you, the maturity he desires for you, the, characters, the, the characteristics he desires for you, he fosters and he develops within the context of Christian community. We're a body. He's given us to one another. I, I hear some people say this sometimes. They say, but all I need is just me and God. That's it, just me and God. And if I have God, I have all I need. If, as long as I have God, I have all I need. But you know what? Here's an interesting thing. I think that that sounds really good when someone says that. Because I understand what they're saying. What they're saying is my relationship with God is primary over all other relationships. And that is true. That is biblical. But to say God is all you need is actually not even something God would say. You know that? You know in Genesis, think about this for a minute. In Genesis, God created Adam, right? And it was just the animals and Adam and God. And so imagine this. Adam's in the garden. He's outside with the animals. And it's just him and God. He and God can talk. They have a relationship with each other. And you would think that Adam would be like, this is all I need. Just me and you, God, out in the wilderness with the animals and the monkeys. You know, this is awesome. This is all we need. But you know what God's assessment of that situation is? You guys remember what God said? God looked at Adam, and this is before sin, before anything went awry. God looked at Adam, and he said, it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. And God has designed us for community. I like the way Romans puts it, talking about this idea of the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12 says this. I think this is fascinating. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, this is a great verse, by the way, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Isn't that great? Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of you has a body with many members, there's the church picture again, and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I want you guys to notice there's a correlation the Apostle Paul makes, I think this is fascinating, between thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to and the body of Christ. There's a direct correlation between those two things. Now, how, what, what is the connection there? Well, I'll tell you what I think the connection is. Here's the connection. The Apostle Paul says, if you're a Christian and you think you don't need community, you're actually being arrogant. You're being arrogant. You're thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Now, I know that sounds offensive, but it's the Bible, right? And he's like, you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to. How is that possible? Here's why. I think when a person says, I, I can follow Jesus on my own and I don't need others, they're not thinking of themselves correctly because the truth is you're part of the body. You're not the whole body. There, there are things that God wants to give you there are, there's encouragement, there's, there's discipline, there is, um, there is teaching, there is character that God wants to develop in you that you can't without other people. You need them. So Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But, but listen, when, when we say that I don't need community, we're actually saying two things. We're saying, I don't need you, but we're also saying, you don't need me. You don't need my gifts, you don't need my abilities, you don't need my talents, you don't need the things that God, and that's a lie too. See, Christian community tells us two things at the exact same time. It tells us this. It tells us, first, you're not as important as you think you are. And secondly, you're more important than you think you are. I know that sounds paradoxical, but that's what Christianity tells you. You're not as important as you think you are. Look, you're not the body. You need the body. You're part of the body. But at the same time, you're also more important than you think. You're necessary. We like to say it this way at Grace Church. We're the body of Christ, and we have no spare parts. We We don't believe anyone is just like, you know, a, a, a sixth finger or something. You know, we're not necessary. We don't believe that there's any appendixes, appendixes in the chair. I don't know how to say that word. We don't believe that, right? We think every person that's part of the church is connected for a reason because we need each other. There's an interdependence, a symbiotic relationship that God has created. So one of the first reasons I think that some um, choose to distance themselves and not engage in the church is the individualism of our culture. 
I don't need others to follow Jesus. That's not what Jesus said. All I need is God. That's not even what God said. These are um, fallacies that we've created because of the individual society we live in. Here's the second reason, and maybe a little closer to the heart. I think the second reason why um, many people will stiff arm and not engage in the church is quite honestly the fear of vulnerability. The fear of vulnerability. Man, I could testify to this one. And um, you know, the truth is, you guys, when we read about the community that God envisions, one in which we are bearing one another's burdens, one in which we confess our sins to one another, one in which we forgive each other from the heart, man, that requires a high level of transparency and a high level of vulnerability. How are you supposed to pray for me to overcome my sin so that I might be healed, like James talks about, if you don't know my sin? How am I supposed to confess it if I don't tell you? How are you supposed to bear my burden if you don't know my burden? How, how am I supposed to encourage you in a meaningful way if I don't know you? I could tell you you got a nice shirt, but that's not going very far, right? I'm talking about real encouragement. How can we provide those things for each other? It requires transparency. It requires vulnerability. It requires openness. And quite honestly, for some of us in this room, if we're just completely honest, we're terrified by that. We are terrified to be known. Because, and this is a very unfortunate thing, and I I would love to think our church is exempt from this, but we're not, Um, One of the sad things that happens in church oftentimes is we have a tendency of believing um, that we need to pretend that we're someone we're not. And so a lot of times we, 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 we treat church like Halloween. We dress up and pretend like we're someone we aren't. And we come in and we act like we've got everything together. And we, we, we you know, don't, don't dare talk about what's happening behind the scenes. And we get in the minivan on the way home, we have a fight, Right? And then we go right back home to our addictions. We go right back home to our problems. But when we come to church, we pretend like we have it all together. And listen, for some of us, we are still under the fallacy that we think that this church is full of good people. Oh my gosh, that is a lie. This church is full of really, really messed up people, right? In which I would say, I'm the first. I'm not criticizing you. I'm telling you, I'm one of you, right? All of us are more messed up than we think we are. I think I'm messed up. I'm still more messed up than I think I am. And the truth is, the church is not a a group of good people. It's a group of people who know we're screwed up and we need Jesus. Jesus is our only hope and he's our only salvation. And I can't do it by myself. I'm messed up and I need you. And you're messed up too and you need me. And in our messed upness together, we're going to seek Jesus. And somehow through this messy situation, we're going to grow and become more like Christ together. It's what God envisions for the church. And some of us, we're just terrified of being open. We're terrified of being vulnerable. But I'm just telling you, if you're a person who's scared to open up to other people, and as a result of that, you've become the ninja, the Christian ninja, you know what I'm talking about? We talk about this person, they come in the service, they hide behind the pillar, you know? And then they take off again, the Christian ninja, and don't talk to anyone, get their coffee, and then when the music starts, they're out, they're gone, those type of things. If you're a person who's stiff-arming relationships... If you're a person who's like, I don't want to get connected to life group because it's awkward and I'm scared, right? If that's you, listen, I'm just telling you, deciding to live the Christian life on your own is hard. It's, it's laborious and it's like pumping water by yourself. You're going to blister your hands to get a sip of what you're thirsting for. When God has given you what you need to drink abundantly of the life that he's provided to you, and he does that through community, he's offered it to you through community. Is it scary? Yes. Is it going to take courage? Yes. Does it take faith? Absolutely. But if you decide to pass on it, you're passing on one of the greatest graces that God wants to provide for you in your life. If you forfeit community, you forfeit the blessings that God has provided for you. For maturity, for growth, for, 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 for mission, for focus, for those things that God desires for each one of us. Here's the third thing. The third thing I put, there's individualism, there's a fear of vulnerability, and here's the third thing. The third reason I think people disengage with the church is because of the imperfection of the church. All right, let's just, let's just call it what it is. The church is a very imperfect place. We just talked about this. I don't, I don't need to spend much time convincing you this. You know this. The church has a checkered history. It has a checkered past. Many people in our culture today view the church with skepticism. Um, they, they, they view it with suspicion, and some of that's with very good reason. There has been a lot of irresponsible things that have happened in the church, 
It's full of imperfect people, like we already mentioned. And so as a result of that, as we draw closer to one another, we are going to at times hurt each other. We are at times going to offend each other. We are at times going to annoy each other. Why? It's because it's just part of being humans, imperfect people trying to get to know each other. I think it's funny. One of the things that we um, encourage everyone, if you've been around here at Medina, you've heard us talk about this. We encourage everyone to get connected to a life group. We talk about this so much. And you guys are probably tired of me saying, I, I, you, you hear me say things like this, if you're not in a life group, get in a life group. Right? We say that so frequently. Um, I say this, if you're not in a life group, you're experiencing less than half of what God has des- desires for you to connect with at this church. We say those things. Let me just tell you, that's not rhetoric. Um, I believe that with all my heart. I've experienced that. And I've seen that in my life. But let's just be honest about that. If you're a person that's not connected to a life group right now, or even if you are, can we just admit it's pretty awkward. It's an awkward thing, isn't it? I think about it. Like, you come to church and you listen, and that's all fine and good, right? You can come here. But now we're saying we want you to go to someone else's house that you don't know. That's awkward, right? And then you have to deal with that whole, like, you go up to the door. You're like, do I knock? Do I just walk in? I don't really know. And then you, which door do I go to? And then am I at the right house? And then you finally get, am I, you know, am I on time? It's awkward. And then you go in. And then you have to deal with the awkwardness of getting to know new people. And so there's the awkward, obligatory, what do you do? How many kids do you have? And you have that conversation like 12 times, and it's really annoying, and it's really awkward, right? And then you have to deal with that whole situation with what do you do with your hands? Like, what am I supposed to do with my hands? I don't know. It's a magic trick. You've got to deal with that. And then, of course, once you start to get into life group, you have to deal with the awkwardness of relationships and the annoyances of other people. So you always have the guy that talks too much in group. And then you always got the guy who talks too close in group. And then you got the guy who talks too close and too much, and he's got bad breath. And you got to deal with those awkward nuances of annoying relationships and working all that out together. And let's just be honest, it's an awkward thing. And for many of us, we give up on it because of the imperfection of others, because of the imperfection of the system, because of the imperfection of the whatever. Look, and I'm just telling you, if you're not willing to endure past that awkward, you can't just look, this needs to be our little slogan around here, embrace the awkward, all right? <laughs> you gotta just embrace it, because if you can get through it, there is life on the other side of it. I'm just telling you, the relationships I have with the guys in my life group, the stuff we talk about, I mean, this is not like, like, oh, we're just going to pray and memorize verses, which we do do, of course. But we're talking about our sins. We're talking about the way we're struggling in our relationships. We're talking about the dirty stuff that we're facing in our lives, and we're supporting each other. And we had to endure awkwardness to get there. Oh, but it's worth it because of what God has provided for us in the midst of it. God has already given you everything that you need. The truth is, for some of you, when you think back to your church experience, you've been hurt. Maybe at a past church, there was trouble in leadership. Uh, Maybe there was someone who said something or did something that offended you. And as a result of that, you've been burned and you're pushing yourself away from the church altogether. And if that's the case, look, I'm just telling you, that's real. And I'm not trying to minimize that at all but I pray that you would avoid saying the thing that I've heard so many people say. I hate this, but I hear this so often. This statement right here. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Can I just be honest with you guys for a second about that? I've heard that statement so many times, and I'll just be completely honest with you. It breaks my heart. And the reason that statement breaks my heart is, is really for a few reasons. First, because of this. When Jesus prayed for us, you know, there's one passage in the Bible in John 17 where the Bible tells us that Jesus prayed for us, for you and I. When he prayed for us, guess what he prayed for? The one thing that he asked for, unity. He said, God, Father, I pray that they would be one as we are one. And then he says, and then the world will know that God is real. The church is God's mission to the world. And our unity is a profound declaration to the world that God is real. And what, what, what pains me is when someone says, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. When they say that, what they're actually saying is, I don't want what Jesus wants. 
Listen, we, we are constantly asking Jesus to answer our prayers. What if for this one time we said, God, what if I can be an answer to Jesus' prayer? What, what if I can fight for the unity that God has requested, regardless of the sinfulness that we face and the problems and the hardship, and because we're sinful people. We need Jesus, right? But he asked for unity in the church. The other reason it breaks my heart when someone says that is because they're actually contributing to the very problem that they're criticizing. Like, oh, I just, the church is just a mess, so I'm going to distance myself from the problem rather than engaging in it and offering what I have to offer. And you forsake the very mechanism by which God has designed to reach the world. Like, the, tr- the truth is this. God has already given us everything we need. Much of what you're thirsting for in this life, God has probably already provided for you in the context of loving Christian community. And for some of you, if you're honest, you just don't like that answer. You're like, I, I, I will get it my own way. Just telling you, it doesn't work that way. This is the way that God has designed it. And life changes at your fingertips. God is offering it to you if you would engage in the church. I'll tell you, one of the things that's been fascinating through this series is we've been encouraging people to share their my life change when story, you know? And some people have been doing that online. And some, some people have just been sharing them in the cafe and between each other and at life groups and stuff. And I just tell you, the, the number one life change story I have personally heard, 90% of what I hear in the cafe, what I hear at Life Group, what I hear at other people is this, 90%. My life changed when I got connected to Grace Church. My life changed when I got connected to a Life Group. My life changed when I began serving and using the spiritual gift that God has given me. Time and time and time again, and there it is again. There it is again. God has already given you what you need. You just have to embrace it provided for us. I'm going to ask the band to come up. As they do, I want to close with just two challenges um, for two audiences, and then we'll sing and we'll be finished. Uh, the first audience I want to challenge are for those of you who right now would say that you are not fully engaged in what God desires for you in the church. So for some of you right now, you're, you're like, I don't even know I'm a Christian, man, and I, I'm not even sure what I believe about Jesus, so let's not get all into the church thing. Would you believe me if I told you, if you're investigating Jesus, one of the best things you can do is get connected more to the church? Because the Bible says that the best, the best apologetic that the world has seen is Christian community. And I believe that the, the, the more you draw into life group and what God is doing here at Grace Church, that, that over time you will know God. That's God's plan. He's known to the church. And so if you're a person that's investigating Jesus, I want to encourage you, rather than, that rather than distancing yourself or stiff-arming yourself from the church, to embrace and draw in to engage. For some of you, you're the ninja. You've been coming in and coming out for a while, and, uh, and that's, that's fine and good. For some of you, this is a season in life when that's maybe a necessary thing, but let me just say that it can't always be that way. Now, I want to encourage you to take your next step. And for some of you, um, that is getting connected to a life group, there's tons of information out there and get a life group. Embrace the awkward and do it. For some of you, um, it's getting connected to the connection pathway. Go to intro. And when you go to intro, you can sign up on your connection cards. We're, we'll talk about the, the church and how to get involved and how to get connected. We have a system in place. It's not a perfect system by any stretch of the imagination. But it's just, it's just a way to try to serve you, to get connected to the very thing that God desires for you. So I want to encourage you, if you're a person that's disconnected, take your next step to get connected because my guess is a lot of the things that you're thirsting for that God has already provided you the resource to quench that thirst but it comes in a really unsuspecting way and it comes through the church now for those of you who would say man I I am engaged and I agree with what you're talking about because I know the benefit that comes by uh, by embracing the church this way if you're a person that as I was preaching you're just like yeah dude amen and amen and I hallelujah to that because I just agree with that Um, here would be my challenge for you okay when you came in we gave to every person two cards to say, what is grace, right? And here, here's what I just want to challenge you to do. If, if you've experienced the life-giving power of that, I want you to share that. Because the truth is, the church is the hope of the world. I believe the most loving thing you can do for somebody is connect them to the church. Connect them with Jesus and connect them to the church. I believe that with my whole heart. If I, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be doing this, right? But, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. This is um, an advertisement. You guys have probably seen our billboards out around town. They say the same thing. This is simply an advertisement to our Easter services. And uh, on Easter Sunday in three weeks, we're going to be starting a brand new series called This is Grace. It is a series that's designed for the person who's investigating Jesus. 
And so if you have a friend that's disconnected from Christ, that's looking for Christ, is not sure what they think about Christ, this series is it's geared to everyone, but it's for them too. And what I want to challenge you to do is take these two cards, put them in your pocket, put them in your wallet, all right? And if you happen to have a conversation with someone where you feel like it'd be a good thing for you to share with them, share it with them, invite them. Invite them to come on in. And if you're looking for some cute, like, what am I supposed to do? Go, like, knock on people's doors? And get, no, don't do anything awkward like that. Here's what I would encourage you to do, though, all right? I would encourage you to think this way. Listen for the, we, we call them the three knots. When you're in conversations with people at work or your neighbors or your, listen for three knots. What are the three knots? Here it is. Um, I'm not from around here. So if you're talking with someone, they're like, yeah, I'm new in town. I'm not from around here. Say, oh, that's my cue. Uh, hey, man, if you haven't got connected to a church yet, you know, I happen to have this on me. I carry it with me all the time. And, uh, and just be like, you know, you come check out my church. We're starting this thing on Easter. So not from around here. Here's the second knot. Things are not going well. If you're talking with someone, they're like, dude, my marriage is falling apart. Man, I'm really facing a hard time right now. I lost my job. Right? And, uh, and be like, I mean, don't be that insensitive. But like, you know. <laughs> Say, hey, man, you know what? There's a group of people that are struggling just like you. Bunch of imperfect people are sinful. <laughs> Come check us out, you know. So uh, not from around here. Um, uh, things are not going well. Here's the third thing. I, I'm not part of a church. But the thing we, of course, never want to do, there's many churches in this area that love Jesus, and we, we are in no competition. So we're not trying to, like, steal people from other churches at all. But what we are looking for is people who aren't. So if you know someone that's like, man, I'm not connected to a church. I don't have, I don't have that in my life. Be like, well, you know what? If you're looking for a good place to come, come check us out. We'd love to have you come out. So take those. Put them in your wallet, put them in your pocket. Um, and my hope is that if you're a person that's engaged, that you can use this as an opportunity to share that gift that God has for all of us. He's given us what we needed. We already have it. And a lot of what God desires you to have, he's given you in an unsuspecting form through the church. Let's pray. Jesus, the truth is that, um, that for many of us, this, is, uh, this can be a difficult conversation, quite honestly, because... There's a, a, in our culture, there tends to be a stigma about the church. There tends to be a suspicion that some of that is really because there have been a lot of irresponsible things that have happened in the name of Christ. But that does not negate the fact that your, your primary means by which you want to provide so much of what we desire in this life is through your church. God, I'm, I'm firmly convinced, firmly, that the love that you want for us to, to experience, that the community that you want for us to experience, the intimacy you want for us to experience, the victory over sin that you want for us to experience, the encouragement you want us to experience, the discipline that you want us to experience. But I'm convinced that the mission and the purpose that you've designed for us in this life, we can actually find those things through your church. Jesus, you, you said in Matthew 16, that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. It's the hope of the world. This isn't, this isn't some lightweight, um, weak, passive organization, man. This is the kingdom of God and the work of God in the world. So God, I pray that you would fix the, the, our perceptions that are broken about your church and help us to take advantage of the things that you provided for us. We already have what we need. So I pray that you'd help us to overcome radical individualism, help us to overcome our fear of vulnerability. It takes courage, it takes faith. And Lord, really help us to overcome um, the, the, the imperfection that we see in the church and even in ourselves. The truth is that we are imperfect. But that's why we need you, Jesus. And so I pray we'd embrace you together. Help us to be a community that loves you, uh, that, that cares about you. Help us to be a community that is committed to you. And Father, we want to lift these things up to you in Jesus' name.